Free game. What's good, world? Welcome to another episode of the Free Game Friday Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Don. This week, we're talking banking with Gemini Fisher, who's been in the industry over 25 years. Free game. It's free game. So without any further ado, let's hop right into it. Gemini, can you give my audience a quick intro into who you are and what you do? Hello. Um, I am, like Jay said, I'm Gemini Fisher. I have been in the banking industry for about 25 years this year. Um, Most of the jobs that I have had has been on the retail side. Right now, I'm the the relationship banker regional manager for a community bank here in Florida. Um, And I've been in this position for about five years, um, but I've been at this bank for about 10 years. This is my 10-year anniversary. Nice. Congrats on that. I know that's a long time to be in any job and um, any industry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's so that's amazing could you um Great. like i know you didn't just start off as a as a um a regional manager and stuff like that and like you said you've been doing it for 25 years can you kind of give kind of a roadmap map to like where you started at it can be with that specific branch or just in the industry in general and how you kind of worked your way up the ladder yeah yeah um i'm familiar with this background this was what my mother did so when i got out of the military i just kind of didn't know where to go and she kind of coached me to try being a teller so i my first job was i was a teller uh, in a small town in texas and i loved it i love talking to people i love helping people and that's what that job is mostly about um I, when we moved i was married to military we moved back to omaha I worked for Mutual of Omaha's um, investment company. So I got to see the investment side. I liked it, but I didn't like it as much as banking. Um, And then when I moved again, I got back into uh, banking. I got back on the teller floor. Um, That's mostly where a lot of times you're gonna start off if you're getting into banking with no background or no knowledge. So I worked on the teller floor um, and then I switched over to an internal auditing job. I switched back over, um, back onto the teller floor again. You just, you find your groove. I worked in the back office. Um, If you call and you have problems with your account, I worked there. Um, I was a manager for the call center and then uh, a management job opened up and I applied for it and I got that. And I've been in management for about, I'd say seven, eight years now. And I love it. Nice. And it sounds like basically the foundation of the, the whole banking industry and kind of working your way up um, with the way you got in, I should say, is on the tiller floor. Um, and is that kind of the way, because I know a lot of companies, like just for myself working in, in corporate and uh, at one point, it was kind of, I didn't like managers who came in as a manager and they didn't work their way up because I'm sure you can attest to this, but coming in as a teller, you kind of learn the ins and outs, you learn the foundation of the company um, and then when you get into that management role, you kind of know how to coach your, uh, the people under you correctly and manage the bank correctly. Um, would you say that kind of helped you like coming in on the toilet floor and working your way up? Would you say that kind of helped you become, um, the person you are today, as far as it goes as being a manager? Oh, absolutely. Um, I am a working manager and I tell people that because I still take shifts on the teller floor. I still open accounts. I still do deposits. I still do everything that my employees would do. And the reason you want to do that is you want to be relatable. And I can't understand what they're going through if I've never been through it. 
So for me, I'm always hands-on and that's not going to change. I do have office time where I go in and do the manager side of my job, but I'll never not um, be out of touch with what it takes because to start off with no knowledge of banking, you're probably going to start on the retail floor, which is the teller, customer service, something on that. Um, and you, you want to know those jobs anyway. Uh, if you want to do anything to be a manager, you want to know how to do those other jobs anyway. Um, it's just beneficial for the flow of banking. And it just helps any knowledge that you gain is always going to be positive. So, yeah. Yeah, and I definitely, definitely agree with that. I mean, just coming from being an employee and having managers over me, um, I definitely appreciate the ones who have been in the fire before. Um, so that's definitely good info. Um, what's some of the challenges you see, like being a regional manager and managing multiple branches and multiple employees and having to deal with customers as well? What's some of the challenges that you see on a day-to-day and how do you address those challenges? Some of the biggest ones I have is my branches are literally in different areas. So the customers that I deal with in one area are not gonna be the same in another. So you have to know just basic customer service. I need Mm -hmm. to know that go to my Niceville location or when I go to another location that these are the individuals that I'm dealing with. So you're going to talk to them and relate to them differently. So you have to learn to be relatable and no matter what market you're in. And sometimes that can be difficult just because you got to turn it off and turn it on depending on where you are. Yeah. And I think that's good info. I think that's good info for any business in general, because it's like you have to know how to manager t- will be a, a service to your target market um kind of be a chameleon is what it sounds like and oh. um going right into that like i know in our community when i say our community i mean like the black community um are not even black just the minority community we're not really familiar with banking and even how to some people don't even know how to open an account um what's some of the things you kind of would recommend for somebody that might be looking to open up an account an account like for themselves, if they never open an account or for a kid, um, is there different accounts you might point somebody to? One of my all-time favorite accounts is our kid account. Um, and I think if you start there, it teaches kids how to love to save. Um, I have tons of kids that bring their piggy banks in. They get so excited. We give them perks and things when they do deposits. It starts at the bottom, teaching your kids that this is something fun and exciting, I'm showing them this. And then as adults, I see it all the time. Kids come in and cash their paychecks. And I'm like, where are you putting your money? Mm-hmm. Oh, I just keep cash. Well, we all know how that is. Right. That can't be gone before the weekend is over. So I just tell them the biggest thing is find a bank that's in your area, that's close to you, that you that's easily accessible to you so that you can make sure that you're always there or you'll have a way to get there. And just look at the products that they offer you. You know, like what kind of accounts, what's the fees, what could happen if I overdraw my account, you know, what kind of debit cards, just things like that. You want to educate yourself on those products. And if you're not familiar, go in and talk to somebody. That's literally what our job is, is to educate customers on the products that we have. Um, If you feel uncomfortable, then don't open an account there. You know, if there's that you're not comfortable with or if the products are not something that fit you, then that's not the right place for you. So there's literally banks on every corner. Just find one that makes you comfortable, staff that's helpful. Um, And I tell you, I can keep customers more with customer service than with products. 
They come back because they trust what I'm telling them. They love the excitement and the enthusiasm. Um, you know, as a business owner, when you walk into the bank, if they say, hey, hey, Jay, how are you today? It makes you feel good that people remember you. Sure. You know, that, or if your son walks in with you, they're like, hey, how's such and such doing today? It makes a difference. So you'll know when you walk in if that's the right place for you. But just don't rush it. And then if you know someone that has a bank account, you can kind of ask them some questions. Um, just I just encourage everyone, get yourself a, just a basic checking account, something that you can start off small with. And then that way you'll get a comfort level. And then when you go in, you can talk about other products too. Yeah, and I think that's good info. I know personally, like you said, when I go in the bank and they know my name, it kind of make me feel, it makes me feel kind of exclusive and like I'm important to them. Um, and that's why I like banking with small credit unions that are local and stuff like that. Um, Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
I have a lot of people that feel that way. So CDs are a great option. Money market is a great option. And then a regular savings account is a great option. All of those are good. Yeah, and that's good info. Um, and you dropped the gem there when you said we're uh like we're in the we're in the bank and we're in the making money too. So if you lock your money up for six months, our goal is to lend that money out so we can make money on that money as well. And we kind of yeah. all win. Um and I think that's good info because I know personally I didn't even know like I knew of CDs like from accounting classes in high school, but I didn't really know that a regular person like me can go on the bank and lock up a CD for X amount of time until I was probably 24, 25. Um, and so I think that's good info because it's like you just sitting money in a regular checking account and it's not accruing anything for you. But if you lock it up, like you said, for six months, you can make 400 bucks on that. And that's 400 free dollars just from letting your money sit in an account. Exactly. Um, and doesn't, um, if you pull that money, I know you have the opportunity to pull that money, but you might get penalized. Is that correct? Yeah, um, ours are set up, it just depends on the term, how long you have your CD for. Um, if it's long-term, you'll lose six months interest. So I always tell people, the first thing I ask is, this is a six-month CD. Do you plan in on keeping it in at, at least two months? Because that's your break-even point. So if you keep it in at least two months, that means you're just going to, if you have to take it early, you're just going to get what you put in. If you take it out before that two months, then you're, in, you're going to end up owing the bank money. So it's, it's just one of those um, where you have to know for sure, I think I'm going to be able to keep this in here for six months to a year. But again, if you need your money, it is yours. You can come take it out, um, but you will just pay a small penalty. Um, and then some banks don't have that. You know, that's just the one that I currently work at. Um, some of the larger uh, banks, they may not even uh, charge you a penalty. So you'll check into that when you open your CD. The first question you'll want to ask is, do you charge penalties for early withdrawals? And if they say no, then that's like a win-win. I mean, literally, if you don't have anywhere to put your money and you're not wanting to do the stock market, definitely go to your local bank and check out a certificate of deposit, a CD, find out what the interest rate is that they're paying, um, put a beneficiary on there and open it up. I mean, that is literally free money. Yeah. And I agree with that. And you just said something, you said, put a beneficiary on there. Um, while we're there, what, what's some things like, say for instance, I have, and I'm not saying I have this, but say for instance, I have like 50,000 to a hundred thousand dollars in an account. What are some measurements I should take? Like in case I pass away, um, and I'm the only person on this account, what's some, some of the measures I should take to make sure that this money is going to go to where I want it to go once I do pass away, if I pass away, like unexpectedly? Never have a bank account without a beneficiary on it. Let me say that again so your audience hears that. Never not put a POD, and that's a payable on death. If you are a single party that has a, a checking account with just your name on it, they're going to ask you, do you want to have a, a, a POD or a death beneficiary? Please say yes. It doesn't matter who it is because what's going to happen is that money is going to go to the state and then you're going to have to go through probate. You're going to have to get pay an attorney's fee. You're going to have to pay fees to the court all to get that money out. If you put a beneficiary on there, if something were to happen to you, we automatically just cut the check to the beneficiary and then that's it. There's no red tape, nothing. I don't care if you think you're not going to have anything in there, still put it on there.
It is extremely important. I have gone through this. I'm currently going through this. And this is with any products that you have, whether it be a checking account, a savings account, a CD, a business, a business account, I don't think you can, but you can still list somebody as an authorized representative or a signer on your account. It just makes things so much easier if something were to happen to you. That's on life insurance policies, anything where you can list a POD, y'all, please do. It, it makes the, the financial side so much easier for um, the surviving members. Yeah, and that's a good point because I know personally, like in my property business, we deal with a lot of people that are going through probate um, and they like it's a headache. Like you said, it can take some of those people that I talk to. It takes them multiple years to get the probate situated. Um, and so it's like if you need to get buried or something like that and if your family needs that money and it's hung up for a few years, like that can be a difference of you, your family having to sell dinners, you know what I mean, to afford your funeral or them having access to that money right away, like you said, you guys are able to do if there's a POD and an, um, are already in order. Um, I, you said something earlier too about the like the big banks and the small banks. Can you kind of give some maybe some personal things that you think are benefits of banking with a smaller local bank compared to a big bank? Yes, I um I got laid off from a larger bank large footprint. Um, I currently work for a bank that only has five branches. So of the five, I manage three. What you're going to get is personal service. Uh, I'm not knocking the Wells Fargo's and regions and things like that, but they are so large. When you go in to apply for a loan, you're going to get an application, scan it in, email it, whatever. You can get lost in all of that paperwork. With us, when you apply for a loan, you're coming in and actually going to talk to the loan officer that's looking at your loan, approving your loan. He sits down with you and talks about your business plan. There is a definite personal aspect when you go to a smaller bank or a credit union. Uh, credit unions, I've never worked for one, but they are member owned. So it is a little different. They're under a different little bit of a policy than banks. Uh, so a lot of people love those, um, but for me, uh, after working in both markets, I would definitely prefer a smaller bank. Again, like you said, when you walk in, the personal service that you got, that you get is completely different. Um, and like, again, I'm not knocking the bigger banks. Their footprint is going to be a little different. The products that they offer, they'll have a little bit more of an advancement in technology just because they have a little bit bigger pool of money to work from than we do. Um, but even still, I think um, after all of this, I would still find me a smaller bank just because I like that aspect of it. I like the customer service that I receive. Yeah, and I agree a thousand percent with that. Like I, I've personally banked with the big names and I always keep a big name bank open. I don't keep mm -hmm. money in those accounts usually, but just so if I end up somewhere and I need to transfer some money, it's seamless. Um, but I do prefer to bank smaller just because I feel like I'm not a number. Like you yes. said, I actually have a name. Um, and that's kind of just what you kind of attest to. Um, and you you just said, like, you got laid off from a big name bank. Um, and you now work for a smaller local bank. Would you say, and shifting back to kind of on the work side, what would you say are the benefits of working for a smaller bank versus working for a big name bank? Or vice versa, or excuse me, or vice versa? The, like I said, the technology on the bigger side, it was kind of a, a culture shock for me because the smaller bank that I work at now, 
we had already been doing those things at the bigger bank. So to incorporate it into the smaller one or to have to take away the advancements that I had was a little bit of a, um, a change for me. But I will tell you, not, I can't stress it enough as an employee of a smaller bank. I will tell you this, uh, like for our Christmas parties, they buy out um, one of an expensive hotel out in Baytown, out in Destin. And they buy it out for us because they want to have Christmas parties and they don't want us to drink and drive. So you've got a literally a hundred employees coming in and we all have hotel rooms. Um, it's a, a full open bar after part. I mean, they just care. Mother's day, they send us flowers on Thanksgiving. We get gift cards to the grocery store. If I'm not able, or my staff is not able to leave for lunch, they always buy us lunch. You know, just the things they're getting ready to buy gym memberships and buying us uh, T-shirts and shirts and stuff that we wear on Fridays or every day. I did not get that at the big bank. I did not. Uh, Christmas time, you were lucky if you got an email that said Merry Christmas. Um, they would let you do a potluck for $10 a person. And if you didn't get to go to lunch, it was you should have brought something. You know, just the, the level of family that I have at this one is by far anything that I've ever worked at with some of the bigger ones. The family aspect is there. And that's why I feel like when you come into a smaller bank, we care about you because they care about us. You know what I mean? If, if I was at a bigger bank, sometimes you don't get that because I have to call an 800 number to get them to help me with my computer issues instead of just being able to pick the phone up and call someone in IT directly. You know, so there's a big difference as far as an employee of each of those. And again, it's a personal thing. Some people don't care about that. They like the technology advancements and all of that other stuff. But I, I would much prefer uh, where I'm at now. Yeah, and I think that kind of, you, you kind of basically said that they kind of set the foundation um, for the employees as basically it's a trickle-down effect. You said they treat you guys like people. And so in turn, you guys treat the the bank, the people that you bank with you guys as people too. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's a huge benefit and that, that goes a long way in building those relationships. And like you said earlier in the podcast, you have customers who still come back to you because they come back for the customer service, not necessarily for the products. Right. Um, and I think that kind of goes hand in hand with everything. Um, if there's someone that's looking to kind of get in the industry, I know we talked about kind of the pathway from starting on the, um, the tiller side, are there any other recommendations you would say for them to do, whether it be like getting some certifications or just applying for that teller job? I guess what kind of recommendations would you have? If you have cash experience, you can get a teller job. I know a lot of people think it's like, oh, you can't. No, it's it's very easy. Um, I worked in a grocery store and that's what my recommendation was is I put the the grocery store experience versus the military because I had nothing that the military would I could use to shift over to finance but because I had cash handling that's all we're really looking for and me personally I prefer hiring people that have no bank knowledge because then I can teach them the flow of our bank and how it operates for us but if you are just looking to get in the door a teller job is absolutely perfect. Um, any type of an assistant, they could have a loan assistant if you're looking to get on the loan side. Um, there's loan uh, a loan assistant job and there's really no certification. I mean, this is finance is a great industry to get in if you don't have degrees. I do not have, I have an associate's degree. Um, I don't have anything beyond that. Um, and as you can see, I had management um, just from back jobs that I've had, I've had management experience. 
but nothing quite like this, like writing reviews and things like that and doing, you know, paying out bonuses and raises and things like that. So if you're looking to get in, you can start in the call centers, um, any of the teller jobs. If you see any assistant jobs, if you want to go to school, you would need some type of a finance or a loan certification to be a loan officer. But again, a lot of the loan officers, it was getting in the front door. Um, and, and those are all just base jobs. I have employees that I lose all the times because they transition into a different area of the bank. And that's what I mean. Once you get in, you can start figuring out where you want to go. But the base is just a good place to figure out if this industry is what you want or if you want to shift over somewhere else. Yeah, and I think that's good info. Kind of just be get, getting in the door and then figuring out if this is even for me. And then if it is for me, kind of figuring out that path to take. Um, and you said something just a second ago about like you, you're looking for people that might not have experience in the industry because they're more coachable. Um, yeah. what are some other things that you look for? Like as a manager, when it comes to hiring, um, are you looking at resumes or is there certain things that you kind of look for? And, and honestly, I look at the resume, but I'm looking for when you walk in, like, what is the personality like? How are they answering the questions? I've had a couple of people fumble questions in interviews and that didn't deter me from hiring them. You know, you're nervous when you walk in and you got three or four people sitting around a desk asking you questions, but you do want to kind of see how the flow of the conversation is. Are they personable? Um, do I think they can handle certain situations? It's really how you present yourself. And I'll tell you, I was in my second interview for the bank that I'm working at now and my stepfather had passed away. So I was literally at my interview getting ready to hit the highway to head home for the funeral. So I was answering questions and they could tell something was wrong. And I had told them, I said, I'm so sorry. You know, my stepfather passed away, I'm on my way out. They literally could not believe I came to an interview. And I was like, well, you know, he would know I still need a job, but just the reaction that they had to me and me to them they were like, this is, I can't believe your dedication of coming in, even when you're going through something. Even with my first interview, when I walked in, I walked in and was like, I can't wait to work with y'all. You know, you know, it's just the way that you present yourself. If that's the job you want, then go in with that attitude of that's the job you want, even if you don't have the experience. Uh, Jay, you know more than anybody, you don't have to have the experience to be successful. You know, right. if you find that you're passionate about, that will all just flow with it. So if finance is something that you like or you think, oh my God, I might love this, come in with that attitude. I'm willing to work, I'm willing to learn, I'm willing to grow, and I'm willing to do whatever it is that y'all need of me to be successful. So just don't worry so much about, I don't have banking experience or I don't have this. Just come in, because customer service, as I've, as I've said so many times, is so important. And I will hire off of customer service more than I will off of a resume. Yeah, and I think that's that's good because, um, like you said, customer service translates no matter what industry you're in, and it can save relationships within the banking industry and stuff like that. So um, that's definitely good information as far as that goes. What would you, I know you said you've been earlier at the beginning of the podcast, you said you've been in an industry about 25 years. Um, yeah. To be in an industry that long, that shows that you have a reason why you're in that industry. What would you say your why is? I love people. I absolutely come to work uh, every day with helping someone on my heart. 
Um, I, and I'll tell you, it's the people that don't have the money that I love the most, the ones that come in with questions and they need help. And, you know, you just want to educate people on how to make themselves better. And money is it, you know, if you can manage your money, if you can manage your finances properly, you'll see people, I'll see kids that come in. I've been there 10 years. I've seen kids open up their Koala account, switch it over to savings. Oh, Miss Gemini, I'm here to buy my new car. You know, that's just what I love. I love to see people grow and be successful. And it does start with your finances. So I just, I love it. I love customers and just helping people. That's where my, my heart is. Yeah, I'm sure that's rewarding when you have those kids that come in there that start, like you said, from a, a regular account to being able to purchase vehicles and stuff like that. I'm sure that's major. Oh, yeah. Um, what's some, I guess, what's some of the, 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 what's some of the different accounts that those ac accounts might be? Why we're here, I know we talked about it briefly earlier, but what's some of those accounts that they might build up as far as like the kids account goes? Do they build up to certain tiers or do they just kind of stick with that account until they transition to something else? You can have, we have a, it's called a Koala account. And that's for up till, of course, when you turn 18, you have to switch it over to either a regular savings or whatever. Um, when you hit your Koala account to a certain dollar amount, we can switch it over to a CD. So I have kids that have CDs um, and they, of course, the kids don't understand what it is, but the parents understood the value of it. So I have some kids that once they hit $500, we uh, switch them over and they keep their Koala account and they just keep growing in it. And every time they hit $500, we open another CD for them. So I have kids that bank with me that have CDs, they have savings accounts. And even for us, you don't have to be a certain age to be on a checking account. So now we're trying to teach kids how to use debit cards you know, the importance of having money in their account, how to use their debit cards. We're also showing kids how to use online banking on their cell phones. Everybody has a smartphone now. So I teach the kids, sign into your, your account so you can see what your balance is before you're out here swiping your debit card. You know, we want to teach them financial literacy on how to not just open an account, but how to manage it, how to check your transactions, Fraud is a very big thing in the banking industry. So we teach them how to look out for fraudulent transactions. It's a big thing when you start young, you can teach these young kids how to maintain. And I, I mean, just from my, my daughter, she, I've been teaching her for a long time. She had a Koala account, switched over to a savings. She has a checking account, debit cards, credit cards, things like that. When you start young, you can kind of coach kids on finances. So that's where you want to get them excited is with this Koala account, it's exciting. And then, oh, I can switch it to a regular. Oh, I can earn interest. Oh, look how much money I have. And they just get excited when they see that stuff. Yeah, what's some, Um, I guess, what's some quick, some quick things that you think if you were a parent or you have a friend that has a kid who may be coming of the age of, or you have a nephew, you have me. I mean, you know, my son, Jay, he's six years old. And so soon, like he already counts his money. He keeps it on his dresser and stuff like that. I know we need to open up, open him up an account. Um, <laughs> but what's some things you would recommend? Like I start dropping on him to kind of get him to understand money better and stuff like that. Opening him an account. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start there. <laughs> you know, you take him with your to some of your other things. So take him with you to the bank and show him 
he sees you doing it for yourself, but when they get to do it for themselves, like we have a bank bag that they get, we give them a little uh, transaction journal where they write their transactions in there. When they are actively involved in it, it already grows in excitement. They get t-shirts, they get rewarded for good grades. We pay them for their grades. So they love coming in. Miss Gemini, I got all A's you know, they are excited because we are excited for them. Any deposits that they do, we have this little bucket that they get to pull a prize from. So you want to find not just an account, but something like that, that will show or grow in an excitement in them mm -hmm. to come in. I have kids that that's their favorite thing on their birthday. Yeah. We get balloons and, you know, we make it an exciting. And like I said, I didn't learn a lot of that at, uh, when I was young. So to learn it now and be able to pass that on to other kids, you know, even if they're a baby, you still just open it for them so that that way, when they come to uh, JJ's age, you can show them, look, we started this when you were uh, uh, two days old and now look at it. And then he will understand not just having pennies on his dresser, but putting it in something, taking it to the bank, doing the little coin machine and taking it up. I want to put this in my account. You know, it shows ownership that they they get excited about that. So I highly recommend anybody that has young kids, get them excited about saving their money because they're going to need it. <laughs> yeah. And I think that'll save a lot of adults because there's so many adults out here. I mean, myself at a certain point in my life as an adult, I really didn't understand how to manage money, even how a bank account works. So like you said, you get a kid excited about it earlier it kind of sets them up and sets their foundation for later on in life. Yes. Um, and let's uh, moving right on. Uh, if there's someone, hold on. Damn, I just lost my, my part. Um, oh, what's something, moving right along, what's something you know about the industry now? And I know you kind of touched on a few things, but what's something that you think you can think of that you know about the banking industry now that you wish you knew before you got into the industry? How it works. I honestly, you know, you, you know, you take your money and deposit it and all of these things happen, but just knowing how it works, why banks are in business, why they do the things that they do, why they charge fees, you know, why just knowing all of that would have been beneficial because I think it would have helped me understand some of my customers earlier in my career. You know, sometimes you just you're trying to be relatable, but if you don't understand the industry that you're in, um, it can be difficult. So for me, it was understanding what banking means, how the flow of money works, things like that. Now that I have a, a stronger knowledge of that, I can talk to some of my clients that do have a higher balance. I can, I can talk to them a little bit better and recommend products and things like that. So I do wish that when I was in college, I did switch over to finance so that I could have a little bit better, solid understanding of the banking industry, the loan industry, um, the housing market, all of that stuff plays into banking. And I wish I would have knew that stuff earlier instead of later, because one, I would, I think I would be a little bit more advanced in the area that I'm in now. Um, but now that I know those things, it, it's all helpful. Any knowledge that you get is helpful, but I, I do wish I would have kind of been more committed to what I'm doing now as far as bank understanding the path and how stuff works. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and while we're there, I know you just said at the end, like there's different products that you might recommend to your higher, um, higher balance customers. 
Are you able to kind of just give a couple of those products? I know, would you just say kind of the CDs or is there something else that like a type of product you would recommend? Well, I, those are the, some of the ones that I would recommend, but you can still, I can still recommend them over to our financial advisor because I would understand more of what they're into. If they're not into the, um, the investment market, then I could recommend some of the products like our money markets are tiered based on balance. You'll earn a certain interest rate of, of course, higher the balance, the higher the interest rate. And then some customers, we do have special um, items that we offer them depending on uh, what balance that they have. Um, but it, they're all going to be the same. We don't necessarily discriminate based on your balance. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you're, I, can, I can explain something to someone that has $300,000. They're going to see a little bit higher, more than $400 that they've made versus someone that has the $10,000. You know, we have modeling calculators where we can show you um, exactly how much money you'll make uh, based on the balance and the term and the interest rate and things like that. So um, sometimes you can get a bump up too. Hey, I'm bringing new money and that's $400,000 and my rate is 4%. I can offer you maybe a little bit more because I could, again, I know I need that $400,000 to loan off of. So, you know, when I was talking a minute ago, knowing how that flow is, it just, it, it helps you talk to people a little bit more um, intelligently. Um, because you understand the flow of your bank. Yeah, and that's a game changer, even knowing that information, because you kind of, <laughs> when you already know the back end, it's easier for you to flow on the front end. Um, yes. So, yeah, that's good information. That's real good information. Um, One thing, I always get this when the Fed meets and they raise interest rates. And I know you're fully aware of that because even in the <laughs> you're looking at those rates too. And people instantly want to know, why don't you raise your rates? because we don't need the money. You know, if, if you see the housing market has shifted, it's because the money doesn't, is not needed in that area anymore. So I always recommend people that are interested in investing in things. If you hear the Fed is meeting, you should be paying attention to that. You should wanna know if they're raising basis points. You should wanna know how that's gonna affect the flow because uh, it's gonna affect the money that you have and how you invest it, it's gonna affect all of that. Um, so that's one tip I just wanted to make sure if you're getting ready to shift into doing some investing and things like that, make sure you're watching the market, make sure you're watching the federal exchange because they're going to be the ones that dictate it. That's and I Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. I said, I know you know that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's good information for me because I know personally, when I first got into the real estate market, we were kind of in COVID. So the rates, like they were dropping the rates. So it was always beneficial. But oh, yeah. when they started raising the rates, it made me kind of start getting aware of what was going on because it's like, I don't, like I never really lived in this type of times where something like that can really impact. Like you said, it impacts the real estate market. And that's where a majority of my time and money is spent in that market. Mm -hmm. So it negatively impacted that market. Um, how does it usually correlate, for instance, if the Fed raises the rate, um, does that use, how does that correlate usually with your products? Are you guys lowering your rates or hiring your rates or you guys just well, staying steady? If they raise the rates, it's going to depend on literally that individual bank. Um, because for us, most people are going to expect our CD rates to raise. But if we raise our CD rates, that also means that we probably would have to, we need that money. 
So we're trying to entice you to bring your money to us by offering you this 5% rate. And that is going to change over to um, our lending. You know, that means we have now this $500,000 that we can lend. What rate can we offer you to get you to come in and take this loan so that we can use this money? Because I owe them 4%. So I need you to pay at least more than that so that I can make my money. You know, a lot of people don't understand that, that it's, it's not, we're just going to raise our rates. We're going to raise it, but it's negatively going to impact on loans because we need that money to make money to pay you, but we also have to make our cut too. So, yeah. so you hear about that stuff. If you hear that they're lowering rates, then you'll hear people like, oh, that I might have to dump my money, but then we may even keep our rate high because now um, it's going to correlate on the loan side. So it's a, it's a tricky scale. Um, and we just look at everything. You're going to look at what, where do we need money? If we need money, of course we need money. We're a bank. We always do. Mm-hmm but just how it will level out on our balance sheets. So it gets a little bit more in depth when the rates start playing around and, and you start seeing things will shift. But if, if the rates are going up drastically like they have, cause I'll tell you, we, our CDs was 0.2 last year. And I didn't say that incorrectly, 0.2% <laughs> and as of right now we're paying 4%. And that's okay. because raised the rates I think three or four times since last year so um, you know you just kind of watch that stuff if you're looking to put some money somewhere pay attention to the rates and what the Federal Reserve is doing that's crazy like that that information I don't know if people are really going to grasp that but they should because I'm just sitting here like oh that's crazy because when you're when you're not really I don't know the correct word to put it in but when you're not really in tune with what the rates are doing and stuff like that you really don't understand how they correlate but when you yeah. just said, basically, we're, you're giving us this money, so we're going to pay you X amount. But on the back end, we got to make some money, so our rate's going to be this. It kind of shows you why mortgage rates are where they're at. Yes. Um, the money that's getting lent out, the reason why they're at the rate that they're at. Yes. And because I'm t- oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, we have to pay that out. So it's not just you, you charge me an NSF fee. It's not that. It's more than that. And I, I wish I could get our community to pay attention, you know, just to what they're doing and things like that, because there's money out there to be had. And if you're smart enough, you can make it. Yeah. And that's like that information. That's 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 like that's crazy. I'm just thinking because every property we buy, for instance, um, just to give the audience kind of an idea of why it's so crazy to me that you're dropping this information is that. When we were buying properties during COVID, um, we were getting our interest rate was like on our hard money loans. The hard money loans are typically higher than they are compared to banking loans. So we were getting them like 7%. And now in this current market, we're getting them at like 10 and 11%. Yeah. And it all makes sense because with the terms that you just broke that down in, it's like you're paying the people that's bringing the money to the bank more money. So in turn, you got to pay the the borrower. You got to charge the borrower a higher rate. Um so yeah, that all makes sense for me. And I'm sorry for dragging that topic on, but that kind of was oh. like a bomb. <laughs> um, but now we've kind of got to the end of the podcast. Um, what's some free game you would like to leave my audience with? I, I said it earlier. If you have a bank account, please make sure you have a beneficiary on there. Um, and then again, don't deal with cash. Uh, you know, put yourself, uh, find your bank account that you trust. Um, 
and then keep it there and then save y'all you it's hard out here so make sure you open a savings account and save you some money uh, and just pay attention to your finances and find ways where your money will work for you that is extremely beneficial make your money work for you that's my free game make your money work for you <laughs> and that's a gym that's a gym um, and there's going to be a lot of people that listen to the podcast that might be interested in getting in the industry or might be interested in talking to somebody about opening up, opening up an account. Um, for those that are interested in reaching out, what's the best contact that you can give for them to reach out to you at? You can reach out to me at FisherGemini at gmail.com. And that's F-I-S-H-E-R-G-E-M-I-N-I at gmail.com. Free game. Thanks for tapping in to another episode of the Free Game Friday podcast. If you haven't already, please like this episode, subscribe to our podcast, and share it with a friend. Thanks, be blessed, catch y'all next week.